Hello everyone, welcome back to the second half. Listeners at home, if you're just joining us here, you're in the wrong place. Uh, you want to go back and listen to the first half uh, where we discussed a lot, everything from the budget at the UFA to the power of the CSR and we heard a lot about the candidates' plans to make important changes. And in the second half, I want to get a little bit more deeply into each of your specific policy stances. Um, And I want to start on perhaps what I felt and uh, difficult to disagree with, frankly, is one of the more important issues, which is mental health. Um, I saw a lot of good ideas in your proposals, shortening psychologist waiting times, having services for mental health on campus, um, having workshops to raise awareness and prepare people to deal with their own mental health and that of their friends. All of these are great. I don't think anyone around the table would dispute that that's a really good use of money. But the issue I found was that all of those things address the symptoms of what seems to be, you know, I don't think pervasive is too strong a word, mental health crisis amongst the student body at this university as at many universities uh, in the Netherlands and around the world. Let's talk about the causes. What do you think the causes are of the current degradation of the collective mindset here at the UFA. Who would like to go first? Uh, okay, Yuri, debris. Well, I think it can all be caused, uh, traced back to the red race of the quantification, if I can say it. Because, you know, the UFA is, um, you know, um, being um, yeah, beordered up, um, judged by you know, measures that can be quantified, you know, number 20 on, uh, you know, best universities. Right. And that kind of stuff. Right. So, you know, of course, um, it's understandable that the, yeah, the managers are looking at that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you can't quantify mental health as easily. So I think that is one of the fundamental reasons why at the UFA, but not only at the UFA, but at other universities as well, um, the managers don't look at mental health first. That hasn't, What I want to understand is why so many students are sad at the moment. That's the question. Yes. Well, I mean, this might be kind of an obvious answer, but of course, the COVID pandemic. I mean, we've lost a lot of our social connections. We can't go to class. We can't meet new people. I know a lot of people that I know are really struggling with the fact that they really enjoy meeting new people, and that's just not possible. Um, And even though there are efforts to do things online, like, you know, a lot of study associations um, organize online events, and I think that's great. But, um, you know, when you're struggling, when you've been on Zoom for eight hours a day, you know, you don't want to get on Zoom again. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and it's not really like, you know, the human connection that you're looking for. You're, you're through a virtual screen, you know. Um, so I, I do think those are great initiatives, but it's just still like we, we crave that. And I think that's a huge thing is that we lost something that makes us so human. Um, and I think a lot of people go to university for those experiences too. Like half of the experience is your your, your social time so there. That's kind of what you spend the entire time, you know, your, yeah, your teen absolutely. years looking forward absolutely. to. Absolutely. You're, you're right? meeting people, you're making new yeah. friends, you're even the professors. I mean, yeah. the staff is struggling a lot too. Like I'll watch my lectures and it's just sad. They'll send emails and say, please come to our Q&A. We want to get to know you. Yeah. And that like pulls at my heartstrings, you yeah. know, because I mean, I think that's really important too. To Professors want to connect with you as well. And so, I mean, I think that that's one of uh, a really big issue. And, you know, it's not the UVA's fault. I mean, you know, that, that COVID happened, of course. Um, but I think that's why we focus on these, these um, policies that don't necessarily address, you know, a larger societal issue um, because 
um, while it's not, you know, the uva's fault, the uva does have some responsibility to try to alleviate this. Sure. Um, but then if, if one of the key issues, uh, a byproduct of COVID has been this isolation that we've all experienced, um, when we finally come out the back of this, and I'm, you know, we can all remain positive that we absolutely will, yes. hopefully soon. Um, what will you do to reinvigorate the sense of community and social scene here at the UVA? Oh, hello. Yeah, fingers over here. Sorry. Um, who would like to go first? You go first. Okay, yeah. Um, I think that what's super important is for the UFA themselves to promote student-run mental health initiatives. So I think that no one knows as well as the students what they really need at the time. So um, I have a friend of mine, actually, she's kind of in a team of a few other students who were asked to come up with some initiatives. But um, the only thing that they supported out of all the ideas that they had was an online Zoom study session, right? which is a little bit, it, first of all, it already exists. Yeah. It's, it's not something that they're really craving. You don't want to sit with a bunch of people in silence on Zoom. I mean, it helps maybe to get you to study, <laughs> yeah. but I you, think yeah. that the UFA promoting um, ideas from students that they have and they put forward about uh, what they think will help them. So I think that especially international students coming at the beginning of the years, they might not feel that they're really being integrated yeah. very well. I think that especially initiatives to do with that should be do you um, have any, supported. Do you have ideas? I mean, I think that um, one that I had, this was just like a, a off the top of my head idea, yeah. but I think that when a, a student comes, so I have a friend who moved from Brazil and she had never been in Amsterdam, never been in the Netherlands. Maybe uh, I know that the UFA walks was integrated where, you know, you walk with, they match you with another student. You go on a walk together, maybe something similar, but where, you know, you're looking, um, it's planned to uh, find different spots in Amsterdam. So maybe it's like, oh, you all together go to this one um, museum plan. I don't know. You know mm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. to, you know, with other students collectively who are all moving there, who all don't know much about it. You discover new places, for example, just to feel a little bit more at home. Yeah, that's a lovely idea. That's really nice. But that feels like a really good thing to do within the restrictions that we're currently in now. Mm. Surely there's an opportunity coming and hopefully coming soon to revamp the social scene at the UFA. My understanding is, and I've, I've been here a year and I came as a master's student and our course is slightly separate from the rest of the student body anyway. So we're isolated even within an isolation tank that is uh, COVID. But I hear that amongst other students, there is a sense of, well, even before COVID, like not that much to do, not many, not that many clubs or societies. Is that fair, um, no. Luana? I do know your names. I don't know why I keep looking. It's my safety blanket. Just to not hurt it up. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's good that what you say that um, isolation has been a problem long before COVID. And also what Yuri said about it being a rat race and all. that That's really uh, an important part of why mental health is declining on our students. Because we're at first individualizing them pitted against each other in this competition. So um, what I would like is to have a community center again, just as okay. you mentioned, like um, it's one of our main points to reopen the Maagdehuis again, mm. because, well, it was actually promised that the Maagdehuis would always be available to students. Um, now, if you say to students, we want to reopen the Maagdehuis, they say, what's the Maagdehuis? So uh, obviously that promise hasn't been... Luana, but, yeah? 
What is the Magda <laughs> Okay, so the Magda was uh, is the building. It's next to uh, Ube at the single. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful building, but uh, it was where once the Safe Bay, the managers were seated. Right. But then it got occupied a lot of times um, <laughs> since the 1969. And in 2015, it was the last occupation and also the longest occupation for 43 days, if I'm being correct. So that's really long. Um, and one of the promises they got once they left the Maagdehuis was that it would be open for students all the time because they were like, okay, but we really started a democratic conversation here. Yeah. And then it just died out. And for me, it would be really lovely if we could open up the Maagdehuis, which has a lot of space and is not being used for anything right now, um, and use all those different chambers for different groups of students that they can open up uh, a room and just make their own decisions what they're going to do there. So you have new kinds of community starting from the bottom up. Right. Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, yes, I have a plethora of fingers. Would anyone <laughs> like to give the floor to someone else? Let's see if we can see any charity. Who'd like to go first? That's okay. Uh, so I think what is really important and what I've appreciated a lot this year as well um, is the study associations. Right. That, um, I think a lot of them are also funded by the university and I think that should be something uh, that should be continued definitely and even maybe uh, improved okay. uh, or like even more done. Yeah, um, expanded. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the word. Uh, because I think that is a great way to first of all meet people from your study to kind of form that community apart from, you know, outside from the classroom. Yeah. But also learn like more skills that you don't learn in the classroom. Like, for example, I'm in the uh, study association of PPLE. Mm. Uh, so I know that there's a lot of uh, educational events organized. There's a lot of social events organized, diversity events, like, you know, charity events and stuff like that. And I think, first of all, you meet people there, but also, you, you know, you feel like you're part of a community. Actually, yeah. you have you meet people there. Uh, you form great friendships. What I had the chance to see as well, which was really nice. Um, and I think that is such an important part of the university. Yeah. And, and obviously... Um, that, yeah, that, I think that I think that's great, and I great. think that's where you where you meet people, and I think that should be yeah. in, like yeah. Abby facilitated. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I made a lot of my closest friends um, through that platform as well. But I think the problem that I had also in my first year is that was the only thing that I had. I I even went to my tutors and I would ask like I want to get involved in something else. Can you direct me? And they said, Well, I don't know. Look it up. Um, and I found that to be <laughs> difficult as well because, I mean, I, I kind of disagree that there's not a lot to do because I think there is a lot to do. I mean, even outside of the UVA itself, there's mm. a lot to do in the city, but the problem is finding what's yeah. out there. Yeah. And it's, it's very daunting, especially when I was in my first year and I'm like, okay, well, where do I start? And you can look at all these different web pages and stuff and you're like, but how do I know if this is for me? But this is why you need you need a really diverse offering from the university, right? Yeah, people exactly, come to the exactly. university and have every right to expect that there is a menu of different activities, clubs, societies on offer. Yeah, yeah, of course. And because, I mean, personally, I also did not participate in the intro week because of the fee. Um, I couldn't, which is insane yeah I, I couldn't afford it I couldn't afford it and yeah. everybody had found their friend groups at that point they knew different things to do they knew yeah. where to go and I was like oh <laughs> um, and I think that that's really crucial for all students yeah. I mean why why do I get to miss out on that because I can't pay the fee yeah. you know 
Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think the, the UVA definitely needs to offer something. Like, I mean, we did have a one orientation day, but once again, the only thing advertised there was the study association, which is fine. I think that's a really great, you know, like, I think it should be the study association, but I mean, there's so much more out there. It's a giant university. I yeah. mean, it's a giant city. Yeah. And okay, so we've know. got we've got um, Tessa. You've spoken about um, the study associations, Luana. You've got let's open a massive building and, and let everyone put it to use. <laughs> These are both great ideas. What else? What else is there? Where is what? Where is the the opportunities to create community here at the UFA? Yes. Uh, some things that I've really missed and also why I was really confused that there is not more of is uh, sports teams, for example, or right. other clubs. I feel like there's, I know that PP Lee, for example, has a football team, but that's literally the only thing I really found. Um, also what was advertised, I don't, I don't really see, I mean, obviously this year was a problem as well with uh, sports teams and stuff like that. But I also know from many other students that there is not that kind of, you know, university spirit um, that you can, for example, create with sport teams, with other teams. It doesn't have to be sports. It can be like, you know, creative things, sure. music. Um, and even if they exist, m- maybe, I, I didn't know about yeah. them. Um, so that's another issue. If yeah. they exist, they need to be promoted more. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of funding should go into that because that's crucial to the university experience right, okay. and the spirit of the university. Yuri, on this issue, Yuri and Sophia, I'd like to also hear your views. Yeah, well, it's difficult to agree with uh, all that has been said. So uh, thank you all. <laughs> no, but I, um, yeah, I do agree 100% with everything that has been said. And I think communication is indeed key. Because, yeah. yeah, personally, luckily, I didn't have the experience that had been mentioned because I, uh, yeah, I studied philosophy and also CLC, Cognition Language Communication. Most people would know it because it's a very new bachelor. But uh, both of those bachelors uh, do have, yeah, a very, um, yeah, good um a student's organization right and they communicate very clearly so you could find them um so yeah personally luckily uh, i did have experience with uh, what can come out of it if it is good it is done in a good way um but i think indeed communication is key because you know i did know that there was for example a quidditch team even you know at <laughs> really? yeah because it was put up no right way. yeah no. but, but you know because all of you yeah. would play Kudich, you know? Yeah. So, Mitch, if, if you've known it, you know? <laughs> which, um, which house would you be in? Uh, well, I always say uh, Ravenclaw. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But it is Gryffindor, according to uh, Pottermore. Is it? Yeah. You lo- wow. But I think you can choose for yourself. There we go. I think we found the winner of today's debate and probably the election. I'm the a Gryffindor on Pottermore. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now I'm undecided <laughs> again. Well, but according to um, Pottermore, we agree down there on everything. Sorry, that's my fault. I took us, I, I started to take us down a, a Harry Potter hole. Let's, yeah, let's go. Let's dig ourselves back out. Um, <laughs> Sophia, let, I, think, I think it's universally acknowledged that, you know, there needs more needs to be done to create a sense of community mm. here at the UFA. What would you do? I actually was going to agree with what both, oh, so everyone said basically, but my experience personally was I obviously, I felt like I wanted more than just, you know, do my bachelor and that's it. I wanted to, you know, get involved in different things, meet different people, not only from my course. Mm. So for me, I had to really go into the website, uh, you know, study associations or, you know, extracurriculars. It was hard for me to find something. And when I did, I was relinked to their website, but I didn't know if it was part of the university. So I think that definitely, uh, like, you know, with the mental health resources, making it open, accessible and clear where to find everything, because there were other things that were like Amsterdam wide, not UFA wide, that were um, activities. So for me, like uh, I'm in a student like UN, Dutch Dutch UN Student Association, something like that is called. Um, and that for me was super difficult to find. So yeah. just to make it 
And yeah. so we can all agree then that the sense of the disconnect that many people feel amongst the students is a lot to do with this kind of the difficulty of knowing where your friends are and where the opportunities are. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I, I think our listeners would want is a commitment from you all, whoever wins to make this a priority. Is that something we can all do? I mean, I know we all have issues that we want to focus on, but so far, this is one of the biggest things, most concrete things in terms of we've got a massive issue, which is mental health. It doesn't get any more serious. And we have something here that might actually help to sort of start to fix that. That's good. Okay. They're all nodding if you're yes. listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. I yeah. definitely commit to that. But I also just wanted to say, I think this would be a really interesting idea that I just thought of um, to... Um, because you know how the UVA has the political compass test. So you can take this test and see which party you align with. Right. I think that would be really interesting to incorporate for the activities. You put what you're interested in and it recommends you organizations or different things sure. that the UVA has partnered with or even around the city that you can get involved with. Sure. And I think already that's a great way to say, oh, okay, I see like I match with all these different um, activities. Let me look into it a bit more because that gives you a starting point. And I thought maybe that would be interesting to look into. Yeah. Great, let's do it. Okay. Um, I just want to move on and segue into something else. That's okay. Unless yeah. Luana, you had something else. Yeah, real quick. Um, I like the idea about a lot of activities and a lot of different group for activities, but I think we should all focus the most on just being a university that has the their own community apart from their own interests, because that's how you meet yeah. new people and new interests. Also. No, no, absolutely. Just agreed. to form. Okay, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. agreed. <laughs> Perfect. Consensus. Yeah. Hard to get, but when you do, my God, it feels good. Um, I wanted to segue into something that, Yuri, you mentioned as a policy. And now I know I'm meant to be the unbiased moderator here, but I have, I'm, I'm sceptical of your plans for digitization. So... For those of you who haven't haven't heard about this, essentially, Yuri, one of your policies is greater access to basically the flexibility to only look at your lecture online if you want to, right? And I worry that that is only going to further people's isolation from one another because we can't always think that people will do what's best for them. And, you know, sorry to say that to any political philosophers out there who may be questioning whether or not I think that humans should have... Um, authority over their own minds obviously i do guys but my question <laughs> is if we give people the option to just do to just stay at home and watch a lecture at 9 p.m at night isn't that just what they're going to do and doesn't that further eat away at the opportunities for community and society which is getting together in the lecture hall even if it's once a week well uh, i want to scrap the word only that you use so only watching it online yes because it, um, it's always being reduced to, you know, uh, in Dutch we have a very nice word for it, schijntegenstelling. So a seeming contradiction between online and offline. But uh, DVS uh, is not for, you know, 100% yes. online. Flexibility. I yes. understand that. Yeah. yeah. And we are for synergy between offline and online. So, you know, you can, of course, come to the lecture online. Yeah. But the thing is that they're being recorded always and being put online. Yeah. So, for example, if you're, you know... You want to come and, you know, I do acknowledge that there are inherent benefits to coming, you know, physical to the lecture. So if you want to come, of course, come. Yeah. And if, you know, all the people who come to lectures right now are coming to lectures right now, then I even think in that case, then it has uh, benefits to put it online. Because, for example, you can watch it, you know, a day before the exam uh, to, you know, uh, see, see the bit, the, uh, the parts you didn't remember or something like that. Or, you know, if you were 
you had gone to the lecture physical but you weren't mentally there because you know your boyfriend broke up with you the night before or you know your girlfriend or anything other you weren't mentally there you know so you didn't remember at all then you can watch that particular lecture for example uh the day before the exam you know so it isn't you know Offline but there, there's, online, there's a difference there between giving students resources, access to information flexibly, which I totally, you know, who, who would say it's a bad idea that we can rewatch a lecture before an exam? That's a great idea. But what I fit and what my worry is, and it's a genuine worry, is that if you give everyone the option to not go to lectures, too many people will take that option and you'll end up decimating the learning experience for the people who did want to go and learn communally and discuss as we're discussing across the table. Well, I think it's good you're worrying about it because it shows that we're worrying about the same things because, you know... But we have but it's polar a, opposite I yeah, opinions I, on, on the I don't think it's a, it's a substantiated, substantiated worry because, um, you know, um, it has been done... Um, you know, for example, with uh, KI, uh, artificial intelligence, I'm doing the minor. Okay. And, you know, uh, the way that they've done it there, and this is just to show that, you know, it varies from, you know, at, um, specific bachelor to specific bachelor. Um, the way they've done it there is, you know, they've um, collected lectures from Harvard, you yep. know, and all the essential information, textbook information, you could say, is being um, uh uh, given to you in that lecture right um from you know educators from harvard some of the best educators in the world and i can say you know that those are very good lectures and you learn very much from it those you watch at home uh by yourself and then they have a you know second but on, those, on those in addition to the in-person contact hours well i yeah i think so because um then you after you've watched those lecture by yourself yeah you go to the offline uh, lecture if you want yeah uh, which is being a better and more informative offline lecture because you already have the information given to you yes you yes absolutely but these yeah. are these are different things right They're, that's about oh no we have this online thing that we can use to essentially inform ourselves before we go to our lecture which we have to go to that's very different from saying you can have the option to go to the lectures you have to go to or not up yeah. to you yeah, but my point was that everybody was still going to the offline as well. So I think your worry is very, you know, noble and we're worrying about the same thing. So I think that's good. Did, did you, I sorry, so I haven't understood in clearly in your AI minor, the offline lectures are optional. No, they're not optional. Oh, they are, you know, the information that they are a supplement, as you will, yeah. as you can say, a supplement at the other, the physical lectures. Okay. Because the information is not the same because you obviously have already heard it. But the information is only that part that the you maybe didn't understand as well. Yeah, so, But the so, physical lectures you have to go to? Yes. Yes, okay. That's okay. Am I... Oh, that's very different from... Well, and if I can say have to go uh, between quotation marks because, you know, not everybody is going to physical lectures. Okay. I can say, you know, because... Okay. When I'm looking around, right. when I'm sitting in physical lecture hall, I don't Fair see enough. every seat, you know. Let's see, anyway, I see a couple of hands up. I think, um, Sophia, you were first. Yeah, I was going to say that I definitely understand that worry because I think especially when you first move to a new city, you don't know anyone, you're very likely to kind of hide behind that shield of, okay, I can watch it online. I don't have to put myself out there or I don't know anyone there. I don't want to go alone. So I definitely understand that worry. 
But also, on the other hand, I too have a part-time job. Sometimes it's it's easier, you know, you, you don't have time or you have something somewhere else to be, you know, a, an interview. It doesn't matter. But I think that possibly I just had this idea, so it's not well thought out. But for example, the tutorials, at least for my course, you have one that you can miss. So there's mm -hmm. one that you can miss, for example, with the lectures to provide flexibility, the on-campus ones. You could say, um, for example, one of them you're able to miss, two of them you're able to miss. So you can kind of plan out uh, if you have, you know, a flexible schedule. You can say, okay, this week I have, uh, you know, so yeah. much to do for my job. I won't attend. But you still have those few lectures you have to be there. So for people that are also either anxious or something like that, you don't have to go to all of them. But you you have a few of them where, you know, you can meet people, you can okay. socialize. Okay. Uh, yes, Tessa first. Yeah, I just also wanted to say or uh, raise another issue, I think, um, with accessibility. Uh, right. I think uh, being able to watch a lecture at home is uh, is more inclusive and, and also is... Uh, makes the university and makes the courses more accessible because there is certain people, disabled people, that have difficulty, for example, going to the in-person lectures, difficulty understanding the lectures, you know, from audio-wise or anything else. Um, and I think having the possibility to uh, watch them online creates a more inclusive environment. And I think that has not been said yet. And I think that's an important okay. aspect. Luana? Um, yeah, well, I don't agree with digitalization. There, I said it. Um, <laughs> was preparing for that one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I don't agree with it because um, I feel like that you should be really careful with, with implementing such changes. And right now it's being proposed as maybe it's more diverse which i agree on but and it's also handy when it comes to your job to that you or maybe you have broken up with your boy or girlfriend i don't know those are all valid points but once you implement digital education you can't take it out that easily anymore right. and i feel like we really should be aware of the consequences of that and that it's really a slippery slope from oh, you can watch extra lectures online to, oh, all the lectures are now online, but the work groups are in person to everything's online to, oh, we are going to have a Harvard teacher lecture this, send it online, and everyone now has the best quality and also can fit it into our neoliberal schedule that we always need to be on the run and fit everything together. So I, I just don't agree with it because it's, changes too much of what ed education is about and stuff that we also can change. And is there not a danger that the university, once this is up and running as an option, would abuse it makes it sound like they, they would be motivated to do the wrong thing, but be very difficult not to simply make the university more of a, a digital learning experience because then you can charge more people to engage without having to facilitate them with housing within lecture halls and for a university that needs to figure out how to make more money because funding is ever dwindling that becomes very very tempting and something that they'll slip into yes Luana. yeah um i i like two years ago i was interested in what what does the cvb do and well they're basically there to budget cut <laughs> um and when I looked at their goals and this was set like two years ago or one year ago for 2021 till 2025. It said, get more digitalization because that will save money. So what you're saying, it's not just a hinge or like a doom scenario. It's actually what's, what there have been aside to do. Yeah. So, Yuri, can we get your response? Yeah. 
Uh, well, I yeah, I agree with Matt. Um, I would say that the slippery slope about slippery slope argument um, that we then can maybe all rally when we are slipping from slope, as to say it, because <laughs> you know, um, if the if it turns out that uh, digitalization is being used as in way in the from only online, nothing physical, I would be the first to rally with you, but that isn't the point uh, right now, because you know. Um, right now, the point is being it a supplement on the physical part. So, um, for example, not only in AI, but also in philosophy, I had a course uh, that was uh, had lectures recorded, uh, and as many people showed up. So again, I think, you know, the worries are legitimate, and the slippery slope is understandable that we worry about it because I worried about it as well. But um, I wouldn't. I would, you know, look out to be blinded by that kind of things for also the benefits that it, uh, it can mm -hmm. offer. Okay. Happy? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, it mostly seems like now we're just kind of discussing like um, digital resources versus like making our education digital, right? Yeah. Or digitalization, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I think another problem I wanted to point to as well that I've experienced at least is that... Um, depending on the class, they can also choose what they want. So I've had some classes that say, we won't record the lectures at all, you have to come. Um, I'll have some say the lectures aren't mandatory, we'll record them, they'll be online. Um, and then there's been a mix where we'll record them, but we won't release them until like two weeks before the exam or something. So I think that that's also kind of difficult to navigate when you have just multiple classes that are telling you different things mm. um, and so offering you, you different you want standardization levels of, one way or the other? Um, Yeah, I think I'm cautious about saying that, but I do think that, I mean, I think it has to be the right way forward. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's difficult to answer, but I think that that's, I, I think you have to be on the same page, mm. at least like. The student needs to know what's expected of them. Right, right, right. That's fair. Okay. Anyone else, anything to add on that topic? No, great. Well, I want to I want to finish um, with a discussion about a big topic. And, and uh, Sophia, I'm going to start with you because you're, uh, I think, the only person or certainly you've made it a prominent part of your platform, which is sexual harassment at the UFA. How bad do you think the issue is here? Do you think the university, for example, amongst the student body has a rape culture? Definitely. So I think that it's a university culture thing. And I mean, just this January, actually, the university released a study, Breaking the Silence, I want to say it's called Breaking the Silence. And it was all about this kind of issue, not only sexual harassment, but any form of, you know, misconduct, anything like that at the university is a massive issue. Mm. And that's why I think it's so disturbing to me that it's barely spoken about. Can or, you give us some example, for those who haven't read the report, can you give us some, you don't need numbers necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. but examples of the kind of issues that seem to be at play? So it was saying that a lot of the time, uh, one of the things that they were saying was that uh, in university rape culture, if you want to call it that, it's um, it can either be professors, obviously, mm. misconduct, but oftentimes it's uh, students within the university. Right. So... That's why it's uh, so important that I think that there should be a way to communicate this. Obviously, if the students are in the university themselves, to have someone to report this to, someone who knows the steps forward, especially if the students themselves are the perpetrators as well. So, um, for, for example, and they also named this um, in the U.S. as well, they have lots of different 
ways in which this can be reported directly through the university, not right. having to take a legal outside the university standpoint. Sure. Talking again about, you know, coming back to the difference between um, remedying the symptoms and addressing the cause. Mm. Do we do we have a sense here of the heart of sexual harassment culture at the university amongst students? Is there is I don't I haven't seen it myself mainly because I've been yeah, yeah. inside my own apartment for an entire year. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it would be good to know what the student experience is on that. Uh, yeah, on that issue, Tessa. I wanted to kind of draw, like, go a bit of a different route. So if someone wants to... What's your different route? Kind of how to how to actually go about what you can do about it. Okay, well, let's, so, let's, yeah, let's get on to that. Exactly. That feels like oh, the yeah. next thing. Okay. No, the next thing, yeah, after yeah, yeah. we've spoken yeah. more about Perfect. this. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'll speak from a bit of a personal experience. I okay. mean, I have been sexually harassed here at the UVA, I mean, right. by students. So, I mean, I think it's, it's... And I've met so many people who have come to me and said, this guy made a comment about me in class, this guy made a comment about me at a borel. It happens a lot at... Um, at um, like social events as well. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I think, um, of course, we're all from a lot of different backgrounds as well. So I think that that maybe plays into it a bit. But um, I think that um, we need some kind of, I know this happens um, in the in US colleges a lot where they, before you can start university at all, you have to finish a module on sexual assault and sexual harassment. And you have to um, I think it's just online through Canvas or something like that. Right. But still, once again, about the question, yeah, I do think that it's definitely a problem here. And I think it's unfortunately very, very common. I mean, I could probably, I mean, even before you enter the UVA, I mean, of, of course, it's a societal thing as yeah, well. But yeah. I mean, specifically at the university, definitely. Okay. Tessa. Yeah, uh, I think that is really important what you just said, kind of creating awareness for the, for the problem. Also informing students what actually is sexual harassment, like that, yeah. what yeah. things, you know, yeah. fall under that kind of umbrella term. Because so many people don't know that even, uh, you know, a comment like mm. that uh, is actually already sexual harassment and that you can actually already do something about that and that is actually not allowed to do that. Um, what we had in PPE and what I would like to also maybe offer for the whole university, for all students, is that we had a mandatory workshop or I think even a series of workshops from, I think the charity is Our Bodies, Our Voice. Right. Uh, I think it's a Amsterdam-based um, charity and also they have uh, parts at the UFA and even in PPE. Um, and I think... Having such workshops kind of, first of all, opened my eyes again. You know, also they, they tell you, first of all, um, you know, they introduce the topic, they create yeah. awareness for the topic, but also, you know, how you can act as a bystander and how you can act as yourself, as, yeah. a, as, yeah. as someone that is um, harassed in that moment. Yeah. So I think having, creating such opportunities and, and kind of starting that conversation really early on in your university career, basically, um, I think that is really, really important because then, you know, people are, have awareness for it and people know also how to act so education yeah anything else apart from i mean education is clearly very powerful sorry yes uh luana, <laughs> see, luana. Oh. <laughs> it's habit now okay um yeah i mean all, all the points that are being made i totally agree with uh obviously but but what what always stands out to me is that the solution is immediately sought by the students or by by the teachers themselves and that's the culture we need to change even though in the nrc articles it was clear that that it wasn't just the rape culture and 
obviously it's also a big part of it, but it's also how this these hierarchical structures keep in place the sexual violence and cannot do anything about it. And what I have noticed during all the all the the protests I organized and the reaction I tried to get from the management was that they that they tried to ignore me, that they tried to uh, sweep it under the rug, that that they weren't ready to even admit that they did something wrong. And I feel like we cannot move forward until we do that, until we get at least an admission from the CVB and from all the deans. Well, Fred's going away, but that that something is going wrong and that's that we we need that to start changing we need an apology we need a proper apology to all the students that have been affected by this yeah okay yeah. so admission from the top and education at the bottom yeah exactly okay yeah yes yeah i was gonna say that i think that the main thing that i wanted to implement as well so apart from um kind of introducing resources Again, as I said, like with you, transparency, resources on the UFA website, easy to access yeah. for students, for victims. But um, the other thing that I think is super important is a contact person. So, you know, you have the study advisors you can speak to, but the psychologist as well. But that isn't someone who's informed on what steps you can take legally in the university, you know. Um, so one example, actually, just to like uh, name one is uh, the University of Bath in the UK, oh, yeah. they had, um, they have like a, it's a team of people. I mean, to start small, a person is good, but yep. uh, ideally a team of people who are informed, who, you know, can move a student's class, something small, you know, move them away from maybe the person that did harass them, for example, but, you know, also provide them with information on how to move forward, what steps to take, because I think the, the most important thing is when you're in a position where you are a victim of something like that, just having the effort to find someone to ask for help is is so hard already so for the university to facilitate that yeah okay yes yeah i think i kind of bounces off all three of your points kind of um but i also wanted to say that along with like educating from from the bottom i think it's important that staff do that as well and especially yeah. if you're going to have like points yeah. of contact and you you of course you want like this this admission and then you know further training like not just well, I think that the staff should also be trained on, you know, what is sexual harassment and assault. And so cetera, you, do you want them to be ready to intervene if to, they witness, if they to, witness? Sure, sure. Or and do to you be want able them to, to be... also respond to, um, okay. to students who come forward as well and to be able to handle the situation? Because I also think that that's a problem. It's that, you know, that you just don't, it, there's also a lack of education in that yeah. respect as well. Right. I think for, I think it's important to, you know, have both the students and the staff because of course we're, of we're course. intertwined and that's one of the benefits of the csr right is that you are on a bunch of committees which include the other members yeah. which include yeah. professors yeah. and they are receptive yeah. so yeah. that's definitely a message a conversation yeah. that can be had Absolutely. i think we're done oh unless wow. oh sorry was your favorite, you <laughs> oh no <laughs> i was just surprised no uh, yeah, i know i think um <laughs> you know that's we've covered off a lot of really big issues and Thank you, all of you, because I think you've all come here with conviction and clarity, which isn't always a guarantee in these kind of situations. <laughs> and also, you've been very respectful to one another, and I think it's been a really good conversation. Um, so, listeners at home, I hope you've heard all that you need to hear to be able to make a decision. If yeah. you haven't, then please visit, you know, all the various websites where you can find out more information about the elections and about these candidates and their parties. And... To all five of you here, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> Thanks for this discussion.